Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that bought multiple HasLab Proton Packs because to have one in captivity alone would have been cruel. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, and I want to wish you a happy HasLab Proton Pack release week, because last week I joked that maybe by the next podcast, we'll all have Proton Packs, and well, here we are. It's the next podcast, and um, it seems we all have Proton Packs, or at least they're arriving if you haven't gotten yours yet. Uh, so it's been a joy to watch people's Proton Packs arrive and move across the country from Chino, California, off to the East Coast, and to sort of watch that propagate across social media as it seemed that people on the West Coast were getting them first, obviously, because they were closest, and then the Midwest people were getting them, and then all of a sudden people in Michigan were getting them, and now people in New York are getting them, and they haven't been shipped out in regional batches or anything, but it's just kind of how social media works, that as people get things, they begin posting pictures of them, and where the things are getting quickest are the things that are closest to where they were shipped from. Uh, and so it's been kind of cool to watch the Proton Pack travel across the country in this way uh, and make its entry into the world with everyone. For me, it's been a transition week of traveling across the country in the opposite direction, because if you listened to the show last week, then you know that I was off visiting my family in New England and seeing them for the first time since before COVID happened. Uh, so it had been like four, five years since I had seen uh, several of my family members and it was kind of awesome to be able to see my parents for the first time since like 2019 uh, to meet my niece who I'd never met before because <laughs> she was born during the pandemic. Uh, so I had a great time visiting my family, actually taking a step out of my California life for a week, uh, taking a step out of the Ghostbusters deep fandom for a week and just kind of getting to be in touch with my family, and my roots a little bit. And so uh, if you messaged during that time and I didn't get back to you right away, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and if you messaged me about HasLab Proton Packs and I got to a point where I was like, hey, I don't have any answers for you and I'm on vacation. Don't take that personally. I was on vacation, uh, but I'm back. And as we transition back into this week, um, I like I said, we don't have a guest. but I do want to give you some commentary and we're going to take a look at some headlines that are HasLab independent uh, that are not really about the HasLab. We're going to talk about uh, some different things that are going on in terms of uh, Ghostbusters merchandise and the updates that are happening with things like Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. And then we're going to get into what I'm calling an extraplasm ectotorial. Uh, it's a bit of a free flowing commentary on the HasLab pack, my review of it, some commentary about Hasbro's continued handling of the Ghostbusters toy and prop license and the experience of fandom around the release of the pack. So uh, if you are a person who tunes into this podcast routinely and you're like, I don't really like the host, but he gets interviews often that are really good. This may not be your favorite episode because I'm going to talk a bunch. Uh, but if you turn in every week because you're like, I like Jim, he's a good guy. Well, maybe this is for you. Um, I don't know, <laughs> but I didn't want to not put out an episode this week because there's so much going on. Uh, so despite the fact that I traveled back across the country that I re-entered the world of torrential rain and mini monsoon season in California, which apparently the clouds have broken today and there's sun, which is great. Uh, this is my sort of step back into things. I didn't want to leave us without an episode. So um, we're going to get into headlines in a moment. But after that, like I said, we'll talk a bit about the HasLab Proton Pack and what I think of it. And I promise to not get too upset about V-hooks uh, if you've been following my social media. And if you haven't, then you're going to find out what that means after these headlines. 
Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. On in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at ya. In Ghostbusters media news, Ernie Hudson has confirmed that he is, in fact, involved in Ghostbusters Firehouse, the new movie that's coming out in December of 2023, according to Sony Pictures. Unless, of course, that day changes because we all are kind of thinking that it might, um, you know, I mean, just we meaning fans who are speculating, but we'll see. Uh, so Ernie Hudson was on the Kelly Clarkson show and to keep this very brief because his statement was he confirmed that they were making another Ghostbusters movie, which all of us know, but the I guess the normals who watch Kelly Clarkson don't. Uh, so when he was on the show, he said, yes, we're making another movie. And he was quoted as saying, I'm happy to say that Winston, the character that I play is now a billionaire. So he has a little bit more freedom. Uh, so I'm not really sure what that freedom is or looks like if it means he's free from busting ghosts and just supervising it. And I really don't want to read too much into it, but, uh, you know, Ernie Hudson, I think we all knew was going to be in this movie. He's kind of central at this point to the plot of Ghostbusters. He's been elevated to, uh, a point of almost like a, I don't know, a Tony Stark figure. Maybe not that because he's not the inventor, but he's a benefactor. So he's the guy who's providing the funds and making sure that the uh, ship is going to run in an organized fashion. I, you want to call him a leader? Great. That works for me. Uh, but the point is that we kind of figured he'd be there. He was kind of coy in previous interviews without actually confirming his involvement because there weren't contracts signed at those points, I believe. And so now that his contract's been signed, he's happy to confirm that he's involved. So, um, Yay, more Ernie Hudson, more Ghostbusters. We all knew it was going to happen, but it's nice to hear him confirm it and say it. Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed fans out there who've logged in over the last week may have found that some missing firehouse items were back um, and a few more bugs have been fixed. Ilphonic released the hotfix patch last week, bringing the game to version 1.3.1 from 1.3. And on a cosmetic level, what you might notice most are very subtle things. Uh, these are really things that were missing from the last fix. When the game came out, there were a bunch of different Easter eggs that, you know, sort of paid um, homage or homage or however the hell you say that word, given your particular predilections. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> there were certain things in the environments that would call back to the previous movies uh, and to different points in the IP. One of these things that was most noted was a dancing toaster that was on the uh pool table on the second floor of the Ghostbusters firehouse when you spawned into the game. So if you came into the game and went upstairs, there would be a toaster jumping around on the pool table. That to toaster disappeared in the 1.3 patch. Uh, it was explained later by Elphonic that some something happened in the code that they ended up pushing code that didn't have the Easter eggs in it, um, probably some dev version that they were using. And so they have uh, re-added the toaster back in and other elements, other Easter eggs and accolades that were missing. So if you are, have logged into Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed and you're not sure whether or not you have picked up the update, just go upstairs and see if you have a toaster. If you do, you're good. Uh, <laughs> that's probably the easiest way to check. But the other things that have been fixed by this update uh, are a few things. Our matchmaking system has been corrected to some extent. If you've been playing this game a lot, then you've probably run into situations especially in quick play where you are spawned into a match and maybe you're the ghost and then there's like five Ghostbusters or sometimes there's two ghosts in the level and you're four Ghostbusters. Um, and none of those things are supposed to happen because it's supposed to be four Ghostbusters and one ghost. I'll be 100% real with you. I had a match like, I don't know, 10, 10 days ago before I went to go see my parents. So maybe two weeks ago 
uh, where I was the ghost and there were seven Ghostbusters in the match with me. And I wanted to say this now. I won because uh, I'm good at being a ghost. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to say that <laughs> there is, I'm not humble about this at all. My, my ghostly tendencies come out when I talk about it. Uh, I'll slime you and be proud of it. But the point here is that uh, I was in a match with seven Ghostbusters and one ghost because the matchmaking system since version 1.3 uh, really kind of went haywire and started to do some wild things in terms of how, how it pair things up. In fact, when it would do this of putting say five, six or seven Ghostbusters in a match, it often would spawn one of the Ghostbusters with the ghost. <laughs> so as opposed to coming into the match with the rest of the Ghostbusters, the ghost would appear. If you were the ghost and the Ghostbuster would be standing right next to you, you'd be like, well, this is not fair. Uh, <laughs> so that's one of the things that's been fixed. A couple other things they've talked about fixing are uh, some issues that cause the ghost to spontaneously go invisible uh, after tethering it. So I definitely know I've had that happen to me while playing as a ghost. So that has apparently been rectified uh, to still come this month or if not this month in this quarter, we should be expecting to see the downloadable content uh, that's coming for the muncher uh, level that Ilphonic's putting out. So no word on that yet. And when it's coming out for most of you, you may play patch 1.3.1 and not even notice that you had a patch because most of the fixes are under the hood with the exception of those toaster things. Uh, but you know, just be aware uh, that there has been an update to the game and it does seem to improve some of the stability in the gameplay which is, you know, exactly what we want. So way to go, Ilphonic. Keep at it. In merchandise news, we're definitely going to talk about that HasLab Proton Pack in detail, like I said, a little later. But we should definitely acknowledge a couple important news items about it uh, at sort of at top of the podcast. Uh, the first of these is that if you're waiting for a HasLab Pack outside of the U.S., your wait is going to be a little bit longer. Uh, and that's because the it's going to be pushed back to sort of the original April release time frame. Zavi emailed its customers outside the U.S. to let them know that due to a lack of sufficient current supply from Hasbro, they need to push back the remaining shipments until April 10th. Uh, so to be clear, this if you are in the United States, if you are in Canada, if you are in the U.K. and you bought your pack directly from Hasbro Pulse, this does not affect you and it has nothing to do with you. So don't lose your mind and call Hasbro and go, why am I not getting my stuff till the 10th of April? But if you bought through Zavi, who were the partner who provided packs in places like Germany, uh, Ireland. Not, I don't remember all the different places. I'll be honest with you, but like there were a few different countries. Uh, Ireland may even be wrong, uh, but just like, yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> Zavi was supplying packs to a variety of different EU member countries. We'll put it there. Uh, and as, and if you bought through them, then their supply apparently has run out and won't be restocked until April. You may have received an email about this if you haven't, or you may want to check and see if it's in your spam. Uh, so don't panic in that mode. Just know that like there's more of those packs that are coming from Hasbro to Zavi, apparently. Um, that also may leave some hope for those of you, and we'll talk about this in the sort of commentary. If you received a dead on arrival pack, which I know there's a handful of people I've talked to who received Proton packs that are simply not working, uh, that may mean that there are some uh, some still to be manufactured if they're kind of or in the process of manufacturing now, if Zabby's getting them this late. Um, remember, this thing wasn't supposed to come out until April to begin with. So um, who knows? But the point is that they're not going to have their supply the rest of it until April. They don't have it now. If the rumor mill is to be believed, though, the remaining HasLab packs here in the United States should be shipped out by the end of this week. 
Uh, based on some posts on Facebook of people who have said they've talked to Hasbro customer service, and frankly, based on my own conversation with a Hasbro customer service representative last week, uh, Hasbro has been batching shipments for pickup by FedEx. So essentially what's been happening and why some of you are like, why did I have labels created and then they didn't ship and I've been waiting and fuck you, Hasbro. Don't be that way. Uh, but some people were that way. If you were in that mode, um, that batch shipment process was taking a while because Hasbro had to individually label each of the packs, print each of the labels. It wasn't a process of like, it's an automated machine. And I actually got this explanation from a customer service representative on the phone who was really polite and helpful in explaining why it's been so stressful uh, and for, for many people. And the explanation I got was that they were batching out shipments and that the delay in the time to actually hand them off to fill trucks to give to FedEx um, was potentially going to go through this week uh, and be wrapped up by the end of this week. Since then, I've seen some other social media posts suggesting that Hasbro wants to be done with these by the 20th. Um, whether or not those things are true, I can't actually confirm as fact. So I'm saying this to you as like potential rumor mill, uh, not as like, hey, Jim knows it is fact. But if you haven't received your Proton Pack yet and you're in the United States, it sounds to me like you're probably going to have it by the end of this week. Uh, and if not by the end of this week, then the end of the month, because they are whipping through them pretty quickly. And that sort of seems to track with the notion that they wanted to start shipping at the beginning of January and asked everybody for their addresses by January 1st. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that I know that definitively. I talked to a customer service representative about my own canceled tracking numbers and then new labels that got created because I was like, what's happening? Uh, and got an answer that just basically was like, hey, we had to do this in batch shipment. And it meant that we had to kill off some labels and create new ones uh, because they were, you know, not going to work for what we were doing. But the bottom line is if the rumor mill is to be believed packs here in the U S should hopefully be to folks by the end of this week or leaving the warehouse by the end of this week. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, sorry, um, <laughs> don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at Hasbro. Don't be one of those people who gets mad at Hasbro before you have your stuff. It is okay though, to react after the fact if something is broken. Uh, We'll talk more about this <laughs> in a few minutes. Okay. The last item in news I want to talk about with the HasLab Proton Pack is that there's an outstanding video with Adam Savage from Tested that is about an hour long where he does a teardown of the pack and makes a bunch of modifications as well as a bunch of mistakes. Um, so it's a great video showing what to do and what not to do in uh, sort of taking the pack apart. And if nothing else, like you'll be amazed at how much like Adam Savage just looks at a toy proton pack as just a thing to throw around and just cut up and do whatever he wants with because he's skilled enough to be like, whatever, I'll fix it if it's broken. Uh, and so it's kind of amazing to just watch him work. It's like an hour long video. It's on tested on uh, the tested channel on YouTube. And because Adam is a deep proton pack building nut who is also, you know, he's provided insight to the film. He was on set. He was doing all these like different behind the scenes videos of the art department. Department and he's a prop builder by trade. Uh, he points out a lot of the details that Hasbro got right from the Hero Packs Afterlife, as well as a few key improvements that can be made using original source materials uh, from the, that were used in the making of the film. So uh, it's a really helpful video to take a look at if you're a person who wants to mod stuff, because he's not only tearing down the pack and showing how quickly it comes apart, but He's also sort of illustrating the things that are some of them are very easy to replace and really quick and easy upgrades you can make to take what's already a very good looking and relatively screen uh, accurate kind of looking prop and make it even more authentic. So 
Um, you know, that's something to take a look at. If you bought a Hazlab Proton Pack, without question, you should go watch the Adam Savage video, take an hour of your life. You'll really enjoy it. And it will give you less trepidation about making modifications or adjustments to your own pack. Because I'll be honest, I had no intention of wanting to take mine apart. Uh, and then I watched Adam Savage's video and I went, oh, I could do that. I did that with a spirit pack. Uh, so what'd you know? Spirit pack is a good training wheels platform for Haslab proton pack modifications. It wins again on something <laughs> as much as people hate it. It's really good for some things. Uh, let's talk a bit about some other stuff. that's not Haslab in news for a week for a few minutes. Ghostbusters news is reporting uh, that horror collectibles company trick or treat studios is advertising in their uh, catalog, their licensing catalog that's been put out that they have been granted a license to produce authorized Ghostbusters merchandise with product releases later this year. We're not sure what it is yet, um, but trick or treat makes some really cool stuff. Like they make, you know, lower end items you can buy, like, you know, uh, vacuum form masks that cost 15, 25, 30 bucks or whatever. But they also make like several hundred dollar, you know, working props of things. Uh, they are also more in a horror collectibles orientation rather than a toy company. So they're more into uh, film orientation and film and film accuracy in terms of what they create. Um, so I'm really stoked about this because I think that we need um, a good prop building company to sort of come in. It, look, Hasbro's done a great job with the Haslab pack and that's fine, but it's a, it's still a toy company producing something in mass that's not necessarily designed as a prop. In this case, we had good designers who were excellent at figuring out how we could uh, take a toy item and make it accessible for a cosplaying community that wants to use it as a prop. But I think a lot of the stuff that we see get created for Halloween costumes and such uh, is not necessarily of a particularly great grade that ages well. We do a lot of work to age it up ourselves, to authentic to authenticize it, if that's a word, uh, to take a spirit pack or to take a PKE meter that's really kind of looks like a toy and make it look good. So to have a company that kind of specializes in building prop replicas get a license in the Ghostbusters world is cool. Whether or not that's what they're licensed for, we'll see. It could be that they have been licensed to produce a bunch of really cool new like muncher masks or something. I, I don't know. But um, it's exciting to me to see a horror collectibles company, though, get the license as opposed to just the costume company, uh, because I think that it gives a little more weight to the kinds of stuff they might produce. So we'll all have to wait and see what that looks like. But I'm excited about it. And I hope you are, too. Eagle Moss people. If you are one of the people who's been building an Eagle Moss Ecto-1 and you've been sad because Eagle Moss went bankrupt and you have no idea how you're going to finish that ginormous Ecto-1 that you were building that's in a half-completed state, that you can finally rejoice because the wait is ending. I've been reporting over the last few months that uh, PCT IXO, who's the company that made most of these parts for Eagle Moss, bought the intellectual property from them to be able to resume making those products and shipping them. And that has finally reached a point where it's ready for service. Uh, my Partworks blog has provided links to each project that were being produced by Eagle Moss. And I've talked about my, par my Partworks blog before because they've been a great source of news on this for the last like six, seven months. But um, the bottom line is that fanhome.com and fanhome is the company that's been set up by PCT IXO for this, have the new subscriptions that you need to make for whatever Eagle Moss model you were building. So whether you were building the Ecto-1, you were building a DeLorean, you were building Star Trek models, they have taken everything that was being produced, virtually everything. There's a few things like a, a build-up Jeep, I think, that they don't necessarily have the rights to yet. But virtually everything that were that Eagle Moss was producing is now in their hands. 
You can go to fanhome.com and start a new subscription with them. You can tell them what issue you left off with. So you don't have to go like start a brand new subscription with them and get duplicate parts. Uh, but you can let them know what was the last issue you received. Where did you leave off on building? And they will resume your subscription with you um, and begin to bill you for it. The Ecto-1, to be clear, is not ready yet. So don't go crazy like when you get there and go, it's not, I can't do anything. But the others are, are already set up. The Ecto-1 is going to be ready to go, I think, in a few weeks. Uh, and essentially, if you wanted to resume your build at that point, you have the ability to do so. Uh, it's also kind of cool that if you wanted to get into this, like let's say you wanted to build that Ecto-1 and you didn't get into the subscription because you didn't have the money at the time and you were like, well, that's a lost opportunity. I'm glad I didn't do that because I would have, you know, I wouldn't have been able to complete it. They're actually starting new subscriptions as well. So if you want to build an Ecto-1 for the Eagle, what we're now going to guess called the Fan Home Ecto-1 as opposed to the Eagle Moss. Uh, if you wanted to build that Ecto-1, you can still sign up to do that and work through and they have all the magazine issues they're still going to produce and all that stuff. So um, know that that option's out there for you if you haven't built one before. And if you're a person who's sitting there who's been trying to figure out what to do with this Cadillac chassis and some different doors and parts and an unfinished Ecto-1 for the last few months going, where am I going to put this thing? And should I try and offload it on eBay or something? Um, you can get back into finishing this. It can be a project at this point that you can check off your list and be happily done with uh, at the end of the uh, subscription. So if you haven't taken a look at this and you have one of those, go take a look because um, it's going to probably make your day. If you want to build an Ecto-1 on a smaller scale, because, uh, you know, not for nothing, but that Eagle Moss Ecto-1 is ginormous. <laughs> Anova Toys has released their Ecto-1 model building kit as part of the Metal Earth line of products. If you've never seen these, the Metal Earth line is an interesting concept that applies the principles of paper craft and constructing a 3D object from flat cutouts using folds and bends to hold the object together. So there's no glue involved, there's no soldering, there's no tape or anything uh, but in this case, it's not paper. The material is die cut thin metal. So each model ships flat packed in an envelope and you have to pop out each of the parts from the metal sheets and then attach them together. So this one comes together by bending and crimping together the pieces to hold the entire thing together. It retails for about $33 and was available as of last week, but is currently sold out. You can keep an eye out for it, though, at anovatoys.com kind of an interesting thing. Um, I don't, I, it doesn't really roll to be clear, uh, cause it is a paper craft, but made out of metal. Uh, but it's kind of cute. It's kind of an interesting little thing. And that seems like a, like a, if you're a person who likes to do, I don't know, like I, I went, this is like bonsai tree, uh, level work <laughs> for building an Ecto one, a lot of precision, um, a lot of tweezer work for pinching things. And they do rate it as an eight out of 10 on difficulty on their uh, scale of difficulty. But I mean, it's a kid's toy. So um, but it seems like a pretty cool, interesting thing. I'm not sure that I'm going to grab one simply because I have so many Ecto-1 things that I haven't even put together. Uh, my parents recently gave me the Ecto-1 puzzle that's 3D uh, that I went, I don't have no idea where I'm even going to put that. Um, so I probably won't pick this up for the simple sheer fact that I don't have room for another Ecto-1. But if you're in the model building or if you like to do things like if you have kids at home and you want to be able to have the opportunity to like, hey, let's do something together on a rainy day. It's like 33 bucks and it, it's metal. It won't fall apart other than the crimping, uh, which you can put back together. So it's not going to you know rip. It's not going to probably rust. It's not going to get crushed. It'll, it'll look kind of cool and be a neat piece. So 33 bucks, anovatoys.com. Uh, check out their Metal Earth Ecto-1. If you're like me, you probably dig 
even easier snap together model building <laughs> that doesn't require any tools at all. Um, in an ideal world, all furniture would just go click and come together. Um, just like a stand for a HasLab proton pack. Uh, I enjoy though, the, the joy of building Lego sets. And, uh, I, the Ghostbusters firehouse is one of the greatest Lego sets I've ever built in my life. Um, takes forever, but when you're done, you're really proud of it. And it really looks great. And Ghostbusters news reported this past week on a new custom Lego build from brother bear bricks, uh, that works in tandem with the existing and beloved Lego Ghostbusters firehouse set. So, um, this is not a set that you buy with all the bricks, but brother bear bricks is essentially a, uh, set designer. They are a model designer and they design models virtually using tools. If you didn't know you could do this, there's an entire set of tool sets that you can go and get for like CAD to make Lego models without any bricks on your computer and then generate the instructions and things. And so brother bear bricks has released instructions for $25 via rebrickable.com for uh, raise occult books, uh, essentially as it exists within Ghostbusters spirits unleashed. So you can actually add to the left side of your firehouse, raise occult books and the alleyway that your character goes out into to go to raise occult books or to go use the, the gear table in the game. Uh, which is to me, I just think is kind of cute and adorable because it's like, Hey, you have your own version of Ghostbusters spirits unleashed, but Lego format. Um, so the uh, plans for the set, like I said, are available on rebrickable.com for $25. And if you've never been to rebrickable, it's a marketplace for builders to sell plans and to source bricks from different Lego vendors who sell loose bricks to order, uh, at press time, I'm not going to lie to you. The cost quoted from rebrickable for the bricks. Like if you wanted to acquire them all, and one fell swoop was somewhere around the ballpark of like 900 bucks. Because what most people don't realize is that when you buy a Lego playset, they've, you know, produced those bricks in the quantities they need to for that playset, And thus they become efficient at a cost of a, a scale cost in terms of economy. I'm not an economist. I probably just said those terms wrong. But the point is that like the ability for the product to scale changes when you're producing this many bricks for this many sets. When you need to just get the bricks you need after market, you, they cost more. Uh, and so as a result, like the quote for what you'd need to buy all the bricks from different brick vendors out there is like $900. So if you're considering this, if you go look at the plans and you're like, I want to build this, you might want to inventory your existing Lego brick supply first to figure out what you have before you run out to buy that many bricks. Uh, and you know, I often say this, this is the kind of thing where you can get the plans and then you can work over time to assemble the bricks you need, you know, find some at Goodwill, find some here, find some there, and then buy the specialty parts that you absolutely need to, uh, to finish it off. So, um, pretty cool set though. I'd say like, I, I, I don't know that I'm going to get it because I don't know that I want to go through the work of collecting all those bricks. And my firehouse has a really good location right now that adding something to it wouldn't necessarily work, but I am intrigued for sure. Um, and it made me wish that Lego would put this out as a set. Um, I don't really know that Lego can put anything out as a set for ghostbusters right now. Cause I don't know what their license situation is. We did get that Ecto one from afterlife that came out, um, a couple years ago at this point. Uh, which is a great build, but I don't know what their situation is and who actually would have the license for building right now for building toys for Ghostbusters. So um, if it is Lego, maybe we'll get something for Firehouse. Maybe someone will decide that Raise a Cult Books is a thing we need. That would be cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but that kind of gives you an idea of some of the different merchandise stuff that's going on this week. Uh, and, you know, some of the, the different uh, it's a weird week. It's like, Hey, do you want to build a model? Cause there's like five different options available for you. <laughs> but, um, leaving the sort of discussion of models behind and getting back into the Haslab, 
let's talk a bit about that. Like, let's get into a commentary about the HasLab Proton Pack. So this is going to be a little bit of a freeform discussion about the HasLab Proton Pack and not something particularly scripted because I've had a lot of thoughts about this over the last uh, couple of weeks before getting it, getting it, unboxing it, enjoying it, and then having sort of reactions to it. And I want to touch on a few things that I think are really great first about the HasLab Proton Pack. Uh, the HasLab Proton Pack, from my estimation, is like the coolest thing that Hasbro's ever produced for Ghostbusters fans. Um, that, leaving that aside, you know, appreciate that like Hasbro didn't make the Ghostbusters Firehouse playset. Kenner did, and then Hasbro bought them. Uh, but in terms of what Hasbro has produced for us, the combination of the Afterlife wand and the HasLab Proton Pack are an amazing thing that if you ever told me I was going to own a full-size Proton Pack that had lights and sound and I could turn on and off from a wand for a price point of like under $600, I would have laughed at you. I would have said where, I would have laughed and then said, where do I give my money to and who's going to rip me off? <laughs> because anytime you would ever see a Proton Pack at that purchase point, you would have a sense for the last 20 years that you were going to get screwed, right? Like someone was obviously trying to scam you if the price was that low for a full-size proton pack. So hats off to Hasbro for producing what is a very accurate, and I'm not saying it's exactly accurate, prop builders, don't get mad at me, but a very accurate in terms of like afterlife. Like it fits the replica prop, as a replica prop, it fits the screen depicted prop well. Um, and I'm really impressed by it. Its build quality is also pretty good. Um, there are some parts on there that are wobbly. And by build quality here, I really do mean the pack. I don't mean the electronics, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But I mean, that, like, you pick it up and it feels solid. You don't feel like you're picking up something fragile or it's going to fall apart. Um, you know, it, it's still a toy. It still has a plastic feel to it, especially the back of it feels like a toy. Uh, but the front of it feels far less like a toy than, say, a spirit pack does and has more of an authentic sense to it when you kind of are in person with it, it looks like it's, it looks real. The weathering is outstanding. And I mean this, that like the way this thing is put together is really smart and really enjoyable. And I really like how it looks and came together. I also think that they created so much great modding opportunity here, because if you remove the screws on the back of the motherboard, which to be fair, I have not done yet. Your ability to remove items from this and add on other items is pretty good. I want to give a shout out to GBFans.com real quick and to AJ Quick uh, of GBFans. If you haven't gone to GBFans Instagram and Facebook pages, go there because what he's been doing is showing how you can make these small modifications to the pack using parts available from GBFans.com. So yeah, it's totally a commercial, um, but so is this. GBFans.com, go buy stuff there. AJ Quick is good. Um, but like if you go and take a look at the stuff that AJ's posting, he's illustrating things like if you have, um, uh, if you want to swap out the V hook, right. From the wand and you want to put one on that's accurate to the movie, you can do that. There's like one to one. You might have to drill through the holes to make them bigger, but they align. So you could probably even use self tappings. I don't know. I don't do this. Uh, but like the point is that you can go and drill your drill out holes in existing spaces without making major modifications. And in some cases without making any modification at all, um, you know, with, with a drill, just adding something in and taking screws out and putting something in and do a transformation of the pack that takes it even more authentic than it was. Um, and so, you know, some of those parts on there are made of plastic because that's affordable and buying clippered valves is expensive, but 
you can get those authentic parts and add them to your pack relatively easily. So they really gave the opportunity here for people to be able to expand this thing and to do stuff with it in terms of its cosmetics. Um, again, we're going to talk about the electronics in a moment because I think that there are some limitations there to how it was put together and what we can functionally do with it. But I think that if you were a person who ever wanted to own a full-size proton pack, this was like an absolute joy to get. The unboxing experience is also a joy in that like you unbox this thing and the first thing that you encounter is the floor puzzle from Ghostbusters Afterlife. It isn't the full puzzle, but it's a mock-up of it made of cardboard that you have to open up in order to begin to get at your stuff and to move through it. And so you end up with ectoplasmic samples at the top of your box, as well as a ghost trap full of mini puffs. You take those out, you take your floor puzzle box out. Here's your proton pack. Underneath that, you find your Spangler stance branded stand, right? Like there's just it, the entire process of taking the proton pack out of the box and setting it up was a project. And it was not a negative project, but it felt like a substantial thing you were doing. You didn't have to really build anything, really. You had to put together the stand. But the act of taking it out of the box and having it revealed to you step by step was really something kind of special and enjoyable and way different than just, hey, I'm going to rip open a box and remove a toy or a model. So hats off to Hasbro for kind of giving us what I would call a cool consumer experience. And my hats off here are going to the designers here at Hasbro because the folks at Hasbro who designed this thing clearly showed so much passion for what they've done here. Like the accuracy and the level of, you know, just, I mean, they 3D scanned the prop, but they got so many things right on this thing. And I, I laugh, but like, you're going to, if you have one of these, you know that you have two switches on it. One of them activates the power and the other one does nothing. And the reason why is because that nothing switch is the switch that they put on the proton packs to turn them on and off and showed up to set. And Jason Reitman looked at them and went, that's not where the switch is supposed to be. It's supposed to be on the other side. And they had to go run and buy light switches and work them into the pack so that they were in the right spot, but they didn't take the packs apart and remove the old switch. So Hasbro replicated the inert switch so, so that there would be no difference between what you saw on screen and what you have in your house. To me, that is a level of commitment to recreating what was on screen that's deeper than anything we've ever seen from Ghostbusters props. I love the Maddie Collector wand. Don't get me wrong, okay? If you're a Maddie Collector fan, like that is my favorite line of Ghostbusters toys that have ever been produced. I like the Plasma series from Hasbro, etc. But like there was an attempt then in like 2009 when they started that, the 25th anniversary and working out to like 2013, 2014 to make props that were quote unquote accurate. And immediately we could point out the things that were way off the mark. Uh, they did better with the ghost trap than they did with the wand, but there were still points where you go, yeah, it's close, but no cigar. The, Has the HasLab Proton Pack is the closest thing to a full-size Proton Pack that you could buy from a, for $2,000 from a company that you could ever buy for less than 500 bucks. I will just say that. You can't buy it now if you didn't back it already unless you go spend a lot of money to somebody who's going to overcharge you uh, <laughs> for marking it up as a collectible. But if you got in on this thing and you were in there for the price point of $400, we are absolutely getting our money's worth and nobody has ripped us off in an economic sense in terms of what you got and the bang for your buck. It's an amazing product and the designers who made it, the people who were involved in the creation of this thing and revising it and building the proton packs, you all get my deep love because like that's amazing work that you did and you created something that 
not only can you be proud of, but the Ghostbusters fans are happy to display with minimal complaint. That is something that like, if you can make Ghostbusters minimally complain, you've done your job. <laughs> like, because let's be real Ghostbusters fans, they complain. And we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. Um, so I really appreciate this thing and think it's great. And I'm stoked to have one. That being said, it was marketed to us as if it was going to be useful for cosplay and useful for putting on your back and attaching to an Alice frame and even comes with the brackets for it, which I love. I think it's fantastic that they gave us the ability and said, look, we know you're going to want to expand and do this. We watch what you people do. Uh, some of us in the Hasbro world are fans of Ghostbusters and like to cosplay too. So we get what your objective is going to be with this. Let's give you the brackets and make it easy for you to add this to an Alice frame later. But what's lacking for me here is a sense of reliability long-term in the electronic components and the build of the connectors. There's a lot of folks out there right now, and I'm not saying this is like the overwhelming majority of them, but if you wander yourself into any of the HasLab Facebook groups, don't, by the way, we'll talk about why, but if you do happen to wander yourself into any of the HasLab Facebook groups and you take a look at posts in there, you will find that if you scroll through, you'll find four or five posts in a given week from people who say that their pack keeps doing the same thing, which is that they have the hose connected and they swear it's as tight as it can go. But when they jostle the hose on their pack, the wand shuts off. When the wand shuts off, the pack detects that the wand has turned off. So it turns off and then the entire thing has to be started up again. None of that obviously should be happening. And the strangest part about it is that the people who are fixing this problem are fixing it by doing things like adding electrical tape to the base of the connector on the proton pack or adding painters tape or my favorite thing that I read that I was like, that's a way to fix it, but not the way I would go shoving aluminum foil into the PowerPoint port to, and all of these solutions are doing the same thing. They are creating a tighter fit for the wand connector, the hose that goes into the pack. Now, what's frustrating here for me is that what is fundamentally the problem for all these people is not the hose. It is the pack connector. And all these connectors are made of plastic, including the screw on connector that locks the hose onto the pack. I don't understand why the product was marketed as one that you would put on your back and take to conventions and jostle around and throw in the trunk of your car um, and do all these things with. At the same time as the pieces that are going to take all of the strain and also have to hold everything in place for connections to work properly are made of plastic. Um, I really would have loved to have seen some sort of like metal coupler here that would not degrade over time. That couldn't be easily smashed. Um, that couldn't be easily yanked and pulled by people who are walking by you at a convention whose arm gets stuck in the loop of your proton pack hose. Y'all feel me? Um, but like these are things that happen to Ghostbusters fans and it's like one of the easiest ways for things to go wrong with your pack at a convention is for your hose to get yanked. Is it a relatively sturdy connection for now? Yes. Do I have confidence that it's going to remain that over time? I'm not really sure. Um, and that is in particular when you look at how the connector has like a single plastic pin that's supposed to be a locking pin to put it in position. I think that this was a... Um, 
a, probably a choice made in order to keep costs down. And because you could probably, you know, in prototyping, you could 3d print these things. And, but I question the logic of making a connector out of plastic because over time, plastic connectors do degrade, they do crack and they do break. And I think that, you know, most of us can know that from things that we've used, you know, whether even if it's just something as stupid as like, uh, the hose on the, co- the hose connectors that you have on say like a Maddie wand that just pop off. Uh, but like the point here is that I wanted to see better commitment to protecting the components that make this thing go. Um, and it sounds like weird to say that, but if that hose gets damaged, if that connector gets damaged, if you're out of a convention, what do you do? It's a non-standard connector that Hasbro designed to look like one from a movie to fix it requires you to have some pretty decent engineering skills, uh, or to rebuild something. Uh, so to me, I, I wonder, and I, I'm sort of skeptical about why that choice was made. Um, the second point I'll say here that I'm a little bit critical about kind of doesn't have to do with the pack. It has to do with the wand. And so I've been trying to explain this a bit for the last like few days because I feel like I went insane on social media trying to rationalize or just explain what's going on here. The pack is great. Um, for some of us, though, what's problematic, though, is our wands. Uh, some of you out there have talked to me about this because you're encountering the same problem or a similar problem. I know at least one other person who I know has the exact same problem I do, um, whose name I won't kind of tease out here on the podcast because I don't want to blow up their spot, but, uh, it's somebody who most of you know, and, um, some of us are having problems because the V hook that's on our Spengler wand won't fit the pack. Now, the reason for that is because those Spengler hooks were produced when those wands were produced in 2020. And they were likely produced from the same factory line as the ones that do work. In fact, I've taken two different wands that were produced on the same exact date from Hasbro out of the box this week, and one will go on the pack and the other one will not, um, unless I take the V hook off and swap it. And what's really kind of evident here is that when those Spangler proton packs were produced, there was not any real commitment to making sure that the V hook was produced to spec. So Hasbro has made this decision after producing that wand to produce proton packs that will then slot onto the side that the wand will slot onto using the existing V hook. But they never actually checked to make sure that those V hooks were produced to spec to begin with. They've just assumed that they're right. At least that's the way it's starting to look because there's some of us out there who can't put the damn thing on at all. There's some of us out there who can't put it on more than maybe quarter the way down. And there's some people out there who are like, I can get my V hook on, but I have to use two thumbs and apply force. And then I'm afraid to take it off. Um, and it shouldn't be that way for, for what we, for a $400 prop that was repeatedly marketed to you as you'll be able to use your existing wand. At some point, someone probably needed to go back and, and actually prototype this thing or, or test it with a bunch of retail sample wands, as opposed to what parts we had around the shop or in the prototyping process. Um, and so I'm a little frustrated. I'm not going to lie. And I think some of you have seen that on social media in the last 24 hours because I made some pretty ticked off posts about the need to open a second Spengler wand to use my brand new pack. Um, and can I use it without putting it on the V hook? Sure. But that's the whole point of like a proton packs V hook is you can hang it. 
Uh, if you're in that boat, by the way, if you don't know what to do about this, if you have that problem, I said this earlier in the podcast, but AJ Quick was good enough to test out and see uh, whether or not he the his would be a direct bolt on the GB fans V hook. And it is. You just need to widen the screw holes out a little bit. Uh, but the other wise are aligned. But, um, you know, it's frustrating to receive an item and to find that the, the one of the most simple things, a 70 cent piece of metal on a previous product is why my new product won't work right. Um, and it, that's the reality is it's like the proton pack actually has nothing wrong with it. But the Hasbro problem of, of uh, QC, of quality control that spans over many, many months or over the, uh, let's say, the iteration of the license, it impacts the future products that come out when Hasbro wants to build on them or build with them and treat it like a platform. So if there's a piece of advice out there that I would give to Hasbro, if they were ever do anything like this again, whether it was for star Wars or for ghostbusters or whatever, if you're going to add on or put something into the marketplace, don't assume that the previous product you put in the marketplace several years earlier was just produced, right? None of us would have had a reason to think that our V hooks were defective because we never had anything to hang them on before. All they ever had to do was slot into a piece of plastic from the very shitty Hasbro Spengler wand stand, which is should have been its full name. I will say that because that's like the worst product they've ever produced. Um, and it's a complete floppy, lousy thing that if they hadn't given it to me and they would just given me like a wall mount for a V hook, I would have been happier. Uh, but like the point is that they didn't actually verify that those V hooks could hold weight, could actually move or slide. So as we are all getting these proton packs, now, there's a probably a small, a small, major, a small minority of us, percentage wise who have incorrectly formed V hooks on our existing wands and then need to figure out what we do about it. And of course, because they are not using a standard V hook, but one they sculpted themselves, it becomes a game of, can you replace just the one on the wand? Do you have to replace the one on the pack too? If you have to replace the one in the pack, you now have to open the pack. Now you're doing surgery on your item you just received, which is unreasonable. Um, and so I, this is not a shot at the designers because I, I really, I, yesterday I was very frustrated and I was just kind of ready to be like, hey, everybody who was involved in doing this, you're dumb for not making this like for confirming this. But I realized afterwards that this is not really a reason to be mad at anybody who designed this thing. It's a reason to be frustrated about quality control. And there's a thing to keep in mind here, right? Like those stupid Spangler wands were produced during the pandemic. I'm sure that there was nobody really thinking about the bend in the V hooks at the time. But if you're going to use this as a platform, you have to verify and make sure that the connectors actually work when you produce the item. And so moving forward, I hope Hasbro will give this some thought. Uh, I don't really expect that they're going to do much about replacing the existing V hooks. Like I don't think that Hasbro has a bucket of V hooks sitting around in a, in a warehouse somewhere like, Hey, these are the leftovers from our Q4 2021 Spangler wand run. Um, but it is sort of something to think about that there's an opportunity to build out a line. You actually have to QC the line as you go. If you don't, it means that you end up with problems for your iterative products down the line. And people are then upset because they can't use the $400 item that you advertise to work with their existing $125 item. Right. And so, um, in the end I'll live, right? Like I'll probably end up buying a, a, a V hook from GB fans at some point and swapping the two out. In the meantime, I have yanked a 
you know, yanked a, uh, a V hook off of another Spengler wand and used it with my open one because I don't want to put wear and tear on a brand new wand. Uh, but I shouldn't have to, right? And that's kind of the point is that none of us should have to do that. In the same sense, none of us should have to sit there and be like, I'm going to put tape or painter's tape around a connector to make it tight enough because there could have been better QC on this. Now, for some folks, they're going to say, dude, it's not a big deal. Only a minority of them. Every release has problems. Everything has issues. Even like, think about the number of, uh, you know, art of, of ghost traps that Maddie put out and Mattel put out that didn't work right and where cables didn't work right. And I totally get it. Um, that you're anyone who has that mindset right now is totally right. They're generally speaking, product failures are a minority of what's released. But my frustration here is that these are three months early to us. We're supposed to be happy there to us three months early. But there's QC issues. So what if you just took the three months, Hasbro? None of us were expecting this thing in January. And from my rationale, the only reason why it needed to go out the door in January was a lack of warehouse space for Hasbro as they like are doing stuff with Hasbro Pulse and whipping products out. And these are big and take up a lot of fucking room. Like, and that's if you bought more than one, you're like, oh, shit, I don't have an extra room in my house. Uh, but like my viewpoint here is that we had three more months. So if there were three more months to release, why not use that time to QC these items better? Why not use that time to go and make sure that, yeah, you can plug the cable into each of these packs and then jostle the candle and it doesn't turn off, right? I'm not saying you had to even do it with all of them, do it with a sample of them from each of the sets. But like the fact that you can find this many people complaining about that problem in a forum where it's two, three or four people a week or even a day in some forums means that there was not a sufficient QC process in my mind. And that when you release the product three months early and with quality control issues, there's not really a good excuse. Like there's not, and you can say like, Hey, we did, we, we, we took as much time as we could have. No, you literally chose not to, <laughs> you, you literally rushed your schedule by three months, uh, and released a product earlier. And that is great. If you, if it works, if you have, if yours is working and you're happy with it, it's a great product, but if you get it and it doesn't work, or if you get it and you're like, Oh my God, not only are you like, I spent this much money and I'm sad, but the next thing you're thinking is like, am I going to have to ship this back? Do I now have to repack everything into the experience based? It unfolds as you unwrap it box, right? And that is something that I think becomes like the downside to that amazing experience. And it's why the QC becomes so damn important. If you're going to create an unboxing experience for your customers, that they're supposed to be emotionally attached to and feel connected to and have like nostalgic connection to you or to feel like, wow, this is so heartfelt and so kind of like from the movie. But then you don't do the QC work on the thing they've bought. That's all packaging that has to now be reassembled in some way so that that way as a vendor, when Hasbro says, we're going to refund you, but we need your pack back or we're going to try and get you another one, but we need your pack back. That customer now needs to go through that entire process of figuring out how to get it all back in the box. And it's not easy. If you've taken yours out because you wanted to check it for, like I have had to do this because I know about quality control issues. I bought two packs. This means I got to unbox two packs. Wasn't my intention on day one to unbox two packs. My intention was to keep one for later and do mod work with it and not have to worry about this. But instead it meant I had to unbox two packs and the second one 
there was no emotional connection to, okay, cool. This is all the crap. I'm just going to yank the whole box, throw it on the floor. And I'm going to do as everything I can to try and move as little as possible because I'm going to try and put this back in the box afterwards. And, and all of that becomes a haphazard process of frustration. Um, I love this thing. I know I sound like I'm complaining a lot. I think it's great. I'm so glad they made it. I want them to make more stuff. In fact, I would love if Hasbro made us an RC trap. I would love it if we got a PKE meter. These are all cool things. But there's got to be a point where there is a balance between quality control and, uh, you know, sort of experience. Because if you don't achieve that quality control, what you're creating is a negative experience. And it's one that you really can't fix by being like, here's another pack because you've already undone the process of being like, wow, let's spark joy by unfolding this puzzle box and taking the stuff out of it, et cetera. So it doesn't mean that you don't create the experience. It does mean though that you better make sure if you're going to create an experience that your quality controls on point so that that experience is positive for every single person who walks through it. Nobody likes to be wait in line for two hours at Disney World to get to the ride and then be told, hey, it just broke. And if you tell them right afterwards, it's going to be 15 to 20 minutes and then you can get on if you stay in line. None of them feel as comfortable or as excited about being on that ride. And some of them feel even less safe and potentially like maybe they don't want to be there anymore. And that's kind of what happens when a quality control is bad on a product like this, because it means that people who are emotionally attached to something and have had a vision of having something for many, many years have that vision get sullied into one that's negative. So I'm glad that for most people, this is a positive experience. I'm not going to make a video unboxing things, and I didn't because I think there's a million unboxing videos out there, and I think that everybody's taking pictures of their Proton Pack and been like, look, I got one. I'm like, yep, me too. They look the same. Um, It's kind of like photographing spirit packs. Um, They're unmodified, but you know, it's a better product than that. But I think that there is a thing that's, if it's about creating this personal sense, you've got to make sure that's a positive experience. And that kind of, you know, I think gets me into a broader point. Um, this is less about the HasLab Proton Pack for a minute and a little more about uh, collecting Ghostbusters and Hasbro in general. I had a lot of time to think about the HasLab Pack in the last couple weeks because I've had a lot of messages, I'll be honest. Um, I've had a lot of direct messages from people asking me if I know when things are happening or what, if things have shipped or have your pack shipped yet or And then that was followed by people taking pictures of packs as they received them and DMing me with them. And then it was followed by people sending me pictures of things that were broken and complaining to me about it and telling me, do you know what I should do about it? And like, I need to say this to you all as listeners. I love you. You're great. You're awesome. But I am of no authority with Hasbro. I don't know anything about your orders. I don't know anything about what's happening other than what I figure out by reading things. And sometimes I know stuff and sometimes I don't. Um, But it was a lot of stress. There was a lot of stress that began to come out of this release, like that, whether it was from people who were off on social media, angrily venting about how Hasbro was screwing them over of some of these people who my favorites were the people who were like, well, of course this is happening. Hasbro's in California and you know how California is. And it's like, yeah, that's what it is. It's totally, you don't have your proton pack because liberals live in California and you don't like California and you're repeating a, a, a talking point. Uh, from your political party. And normally this podcast doesn't get political, but in that context, we will. I live in California. Okay. So um, the point here is like, there are people who are turning this into like a political thing. Like Hasbro is depriving us of our proton packs and fucking us over by not shipping us things three months early. And we don't have ticket. We don't have our, our tracking numbers. And this is ridiculous. And they've done us dirty. And it's like, 
this sucks. All of that, it sucks. Like none of it's good anymore. Like that part where all of the joy, all of the fun of being a Ghostbusters fan dies. It just dies. It dies on the floor and the blood and the wound that's bleeding out and the knife on the floor next to it is just sad comments from Ghostbusters Facebook groups predominantly. And some people have asked me why Extraplasm doesn't have a Facebook group. This is why. This is explicitly why. I have no desire to go and engage Ghostbusters fan groups at point on Facebook at this, at this point on Facebook. And I even tried to this past week to ask questions of a modding group to say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to mod my pack. I just want to get some information because I'm trying to fix a problem with my V-hook. And repeatedly people would come in and be like, why don't you just mod your pack? I'd say, I don't want to do that until people began to be insulting to me because, oh, look at these people who come in here who don't even want to mod anything, but they come in our group. In contrast, total contrast, I bought a pinball machine, a virtual pinball machine two weeks ago before I left for my trip. I set it up. I had an issue with it at setup. I needed to get some answers. I went to the um, at games legends pinball Facebook group. I joined the group. Someone welcomed me to the group, which I was like, wow, okay, that's nice. Uh, And then I asked a question and like 15 people provided useful information. All of them were polite and kind. All of them were eager to be helpful. Many of them took photos of things they'd done to solve the problem unsolicited and just shared them with me. And I went, wow, this is what like a functional and healthy fan and support group looks like. In contrast to that, you can go and look at different Facebook groups around around the horn, and I'm not going to name them all. The number of hateful posts made in the last two to three weeks on the internet about why HasLab had screwed, Hasbro had screwed everyone over, despite the fact that no one even had anything in their hands yet, was absolutely absurd. And it gave me some pause. It made me start to think about where I've been at um, with Ghostbusters and Hasbro since the Kenner Classics figures were released. Hasbro's mentality has been to create hype. They're a marketing company. I don't deny them that. But their method of creating hype is to essentially create this sort of fear of missing out about everything that I watch way too many people play into. So many people act as if a Hasbro product is rare. Let me assure you, Hasbro doesn't produce a fucking thing that is rare. They are a massive company that produces tens of thousands of things at a minimum. The only way you were getting proton packs is if at least 7,000 of us backed them, right? They don't produce anything in small number. A small number to them is like 10,000 items. That's not small. But you'll watch everyone go nuts as if like, oh my God, I got to get it before it's not available. Think about the Kenner Classics figures. Think about how many people went nuts during them. How many people were like, oh, I can't get mine. How many people were inside Facebook groups being angry because somebody posted pictures of three sets of the figures in their shopping cart. And so here's a guy in Maine who's angry at a guy in Idaho because the guy in Idaho says, I've got three sets of figures. And the guy in Maine is like, you're the reason why I don't have any here. And it becomes this ridiculous, pissing contest of frustration and sadness. And I don't really get it. 
Like, it's not something I think is like, I would like that. I want to say like, oh no, all fandoms do this, but I really don't think that all fandoms do this. I don't watch the folks who are the fans of pinball and who are working on modding their pinball machines and building those out. Like we build props act the way that some people do in Ghostbusters Facebook groups. So I'm sure that like, this is going to be the podcast that some people are going to be like, wow, he's pissed off and I'm going to unsubscribe. And like, I'm not mad at you as listeners. I am frustrated and disappointed in the fandom as a culture. Um, and I want us to do better because I think that the joy that should exist around these products is just extracted. It's just sucked out. And what it's replaced with is stress. There's a, a podcast that, you know, friend of the podcast, Craig Goldberg has been on, on our show a lot, um, two or three times. And I really love toy anxiety. Um, the podcast or the, the YouTube show that the yes, have some podcast crew produces on Tuesday nights on YouTube at, uh, 9 PM Eastern 6 PM Pacific. There's a plug. Uh, so this is not like a negative shot at them at all, but like the name of their show is toy anxiety. Um, <laughs> look, brass tacks. I have social anxiety. Um, and I, and I generate some of my own sometimes, like by worrying about things that I don't need to, um, you know, worrying about where my pre-order is going to show up. Are these things going to be here and watching all of that go on as a culture of fans for several weeks who became hostile with a company and with each other at points really just makes me go, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I don't mean that in the sense of like a podcast. I don't mean that in the sense of being a Ghostbusters fan. I do mean it, though, in terms of collecting uh, and collecting like toys, um, because I think that some of you out there know that I did a lot of work to try and track down some of the afterlife toys. I've talked about the uh, the Legends of the Lost Hasbro toys episode has been on here. We've talked about RC traps, etc. And I put a lot of stress and, like you know, an effort into finding stuff that we couldn't find in the U.S. because it had disappeared. And I was really happy when I would find it and when I would help somebody get it. When somebody else got an RC trap because I sent them the link, it made me happy. I knew I was taking away someone else's stress and replacing it with joy. And that's like the Marie Kondo thing, right? Like, if it doesn't give you joy, throw it out. I did this recently with my mom. She had a lot of stuff in the pantry. Like, it was old. She had old, like, funfetti icing. <laughs> I was like, Mom, this icing's like two years old. She's like, yeah, I know. I, I thought maybe I'd use it someday. I was like, look, it ain't going to give you joy when you're throwing up. Throw it out. <laughs> you don't need to keep old food because it doesn't seem like it's gone bad yet. Um, this is what happens when you visit your older parents. <laughs> you have to teach them to clean out their pantry because they used to teach you to clean your room. Uh, <laughs> so not digression here. Uh, back to what we were talking about. But I, I think about this a lot that that for me, why was I like eager, happy to be like, let's find more RC ghost traps. Let's bring some back from Australia and get them to people who want them because it gave people who I like in this community joy. And it gave me joy to watch everybody have their Christmas morning moment when they got an ectoplasm lab or an RC trap that they never thought they were going to put their hands on. That is what it means to be supportive fans to each other, to help promote each other's experience of joy together, communally. It is not to kvetch together, to constantly complain, to constantly be angry, to constantly be frustrated, to see how frustrated you can get together, to see how many stupid fucking memes you can create about your mutually shared frustration and anger, to then popularize those memes such that any company that would want to market a product would look at the fandom and the clientele and the customer base and go, are these fucking people really worth it? 
And I say that not to be mean, but like I, if I were Hasbro this week, I would be sitting back and going, man, we really thought this HasLab Proton Pack thing was going to make people happy. And in the end, we made, we made money, but we're going to have to think about whether or not this aggravation is worth it. There are a bunch of people out there who've been making memes using the name of one of our employees because it was gleaned from a FedEx, because uh, it's gleaned from FedEx invoices. And that, it's that kind of like bullshit that makes a company like, like reconsider why they would do the things that they're doing. And it's that kind of bullshit that kind of looks at the people who design the product and treats them like they don't matter. Um, you can be frustrated with the company, but getting to the point of communally deciding that it's okay to turn the discourse into just being hateful, it's no good. And I really gave this some thought about the level of joy that I'm getting, like I talked about earlier. Since those Kenner Classics figures came out, I've thought about the number of times that I've watched people be angry. Angry because they couldn't find all the Plasma Series figures. Angry because Phoebe's only released to the Target. Angry because uh, the, the RC trap is canceled. Angry because whatever it is. Angry because I, you have more than I do. And I want to say it's like just a toy thing, but it's not like you can watch this with marshmallows. Like there are people in this fandom who were losing their mind because they couldn't find marshmallows and cereal that was branded. Um, I know for me that I'm giving some real pause to my collecting. That doesn't mean I have a, a deeper, a less of a love of Ghostbusters and I'm not ending my collecting, but. I am starting to make a deeper evaluation here of like what's giving me joy versus what is giving me stress and then relief that I'm confusing as joy. Because I think that in the HasLab Packs case, I have found my joy eventually, but I'm not going to lie to you. It was hard to get to a point of making this episode and talking about this product and being able to say, like, this is what, here's what I'm happy about because of the amount of negativity that led up to having a box show up on my doorstep to the amount of negativity that was involved in watching people open theirs and having other people complain about it. It's the amount of negativity of watching other people gripe about how you think you bought an actual proton pack, but you didn't really build one because I'm real and you're not. None of these things are good. And I'm just going to say this. If you do things in this fandom and they're not giving you joy, reevaluate them. There is no reason why you have to be supportive of everything in Ghostbusters or buy everything if it is not giving you joy. And in the case of my HasLab Proton Pack, I have eventually found my joy by figuring out how I'm going to fix my problems. But the, the lead up to it, the dissatisfaction of finding that I have to immediately figure out how to fix a problem, the then going into a group to try and ask others about whether they're having the problem and then watching the fan reactions and the, the different conversations I have to have about that, the re-explaining of that problem to other people, the customer service phone call or email I have to make, all of those are things that rob the joy from the experience. And I said this a while back about a different product um, that I honestly can't even remember what the hell it was at this point, that everyone was going crazy for it. And I just said in the moment, like, I'm not even going to worry about this at this point because the level of stress I'm getting just chasing this down isn't going to be paid off by getting this thing afterwards. I will have relief that my stress and my anxiety is over, but that is not joy. That is not fun. And I think that for some folks out there, 
there's a conflation of these two things or a confusion. I made a post last week on Instagram, ironically, because then I became frustrated. It was before we had our packs. And I said, if you're not, this was on Instagram. And I said, if you don't have your Hasbro pack yet, you're not entitled to anything. Like you weren't supposed to have it till April. So stop being angry. And I really meant that because there were so many people acting as if they were being begrudged or as if they were being, um, uh, you know, wronged because they didn't have accurate shipping information on an item that they weren't supposed to get till April and January. And I think that this kind of griping and being angry and like rallying the troops against the company to be pissed off at them when they're producing a thing that you want and you paid for and that you find beloved is on the one hand fucking stupid uh, because it makes you a pain in the ass customer that nobody wants to help. But two, I think it's toxic. I, I really do. I think that it's the kind of thing that is so toxic because it becomes this demand of um, recognition or affirmation when you don't even have anything to react to yet. Are you allowed to be frustrated if you received a defective proton pack? Absolutely. Are you allowed to make a post on Instagram because you're pissed off about it? Totally. I did. And then I deleted it later because I felt bad. But if you don't even have an item yet, And you are three months before a date you're supposed to have the item. And you are already going deep on why the company that you bought an item from is garbage or bad or the people who work at it are stupid. I'm sorry, but like you have issues. Like you seriously need to go talk to a therapist at that point because like you have some fulfillment problem that needs to be addressed. If you're angry about a thing you're not even supposed to have yet to a point that you're naming employees and making memes about it. I'm not going to participate in this kind of stuff. And I'm not going to endorse it. And I mean that. There were some people who sent me memes. Like, look, isn't this funny? And I was like, no, it's not. I made that post and said, we shouldn't make these kinds of jokes. Like, this is rude. Like, this is stupid. In response to that, I got somebody who messaged me and said, don't you realize that by telling people that you're ruining the fun? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, it's fun, right? Like to go in those Facebook groups and watch everybody losing their minds. It's hilarious. It's about as hilarious to me as watching people at a political rally irrationally scream and yell. It's not fun. It's a scene. It may be comical at the moment to be like, look at these yahoos. But those are the people who are your your community. Those are the people who are in your fandom. Those are the people who, when you put your stupid moogly on your stupid arm and you go out into the public, people associate you with those people. It's sad to say that, but the number of times I've been asked, are you the guys who were at blank convention that I was at last year? I can't count on both hands because it's not, I don't have enough fingers, right? Like, and so to me, I look at this and I go, that's not fun. There's nothing, this shouldn't be stuff we endorse. This shouldn't be stuff we sit back and joke about. It's not fun and interesting to be angry. It is occasionally fun to talk about how ridiculous it is that people are being angry, but when it becomes the culture of what we're doing, and when we're saying, no, no, don't shut it down because it's fun to watch the fire burn the house down, I don't know what we're doing. 
And I don't know why I want to put an item associated with all of that stress in a DTOF or a display case in my house and look at it. And that's part of what I'm getting at here. I know this is going to sound like I'm like giving a really like a big sermon and I'm pissed off and I'm really not like angry as much as I'm just sad about like watching so many people do this angry crap. And then I guess for many of them, they just all that emotional garbage just washes off of them the minute they get to throw 4D batteries and the thing fire it up, take an Instagram photo and be like, look at me, I have a proton pack. But at the same time, they've literally done rhetorical damage in the community. They've left a wake of sad comments and uh, swears and dickish remarks on the internet and other people for no reason. And all of that is then assuaged because I got to open my chocolate bar and put it in my mouth and feel better. And it's like, this sucks. So I want to say this to folks out there. Like, if you want to ask me questions about Hasbro stuff, I'm obviously going to be there to answer questions for you. Like, I'm going to still want to know what's going on. But I got to be real, like the stress out level that happened with this proton pack and the number of interactions I had that were just resoundingly negative um, really gives me pause about why I want to keep collecting, uh, to be frank, and where I'm going to put that energy. Because I think that for all of us, like we do this because we like it. And if you're doing this in a way that what you like about it is being angry so that that way you can convince with others with how angry you are about it, like that is toxic fandom. That's what that is. That's literally toxic fandom. It's the toxic fandom that can't be made happy. It's the fandom that when you put out prequel movies, all they do is complain about them. It's the fandom that says you put out sequel movies and all they do is complain about them because it's not exactly what I wanted to meet my needs, my, my affirmation, my psychological needs in the moment of whatever it is. So I'm saying this to folks because I hope that people will consider this themselves. Evaluate what gives you joy. For some of you, you're like, this podcast did, but now it doesn't. And I'm sorry. And maybe this is a bad episode of the podcast. And maybe people will unsubscribe. I don't know. Uh, because I chose to have a sermon episode. But I needed to say this. I needed to kind of speak my mind about this in a way that, um, you know, I, I'm, in my, I'm in my 40s, right? Like, I'm not a guy who's like, oh, I'm in my 20s. I've done that. I have been the 20-year-old reactionary, outraged person who could get pissed off because Mattel's putting out a new He-Man series and that new He-Man series is totally redesigned and I don't like the way it looks. I've done this. I've been that person. You know what I don't collect anymore? He-Man. Um, and not because I'm angry at Mattel, but just because I realized at a certain point that like it wasn't giving me joy and also that I could sell it for thousands of dollars and buy Ghostbusters shit. <laughs> but like the point is that uh, if it's not giving you joy, don't do it. If chasing down four action figures of four Ghostbusters that you have how many copies of makes you stressed out, makes you frustrated, has you in conversation with people about how frustrated and angry you are, don't do it. Just don't do it. And chances are you'll end up getting this stuff anyway later at clearance because like I think about those, those Kenner Classics figures when they came out. People went nuts. People were going to Walmarts wearing masks and buying multiples for other people those things are so common now that you could find them at Entertainment Earth. You could find them virtually anywhere. Uh, they're no longer Walmart exclusives, right? Like, we went nuts chasing down Fright Features figures 
Oh my God, the new Fright Features figures are out. Oh my God, the new Ecto-1 is out. The Fright Features Ecto-1, it's got a, a rare Phoebe box. Oh my God, in this one, she's not wearing coveralls. She's she's wearing a flight suit. And then lo and behold, we get, uh, you know, four months later and it turns out, no, the flight suit box was just the original box that they changed out because they didn't want to tease the entire end of the movie. So they made that box a Walmart exclusive after a while. And it was available at Kroger. And then it like, uh, major and other like supermarkets like but people were going nuts i gotta get the rare phoebe box i won't have a complete set unless i have the rare phoebe box none of this is joy i i'm maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe there is maybe there's people out there who are like i have three different boxes of the same item and being able to look at all three of these things together is granting me such a level of joy that it's worth all of the energy and frustration to get here i don't know it's not me. At certain points in my life, I can say it probably was. But I mean this. Fandom should bring you joy. What you like should bring you joy. The things you do should bring you joy. If you're spending tons of money to be mad, don't. <laughs> just, just don't. There's no reason to. And then don't be in those conversations. Don't be in the conversation that's like, well, I didn't spend money on this, but here's why I think it's garbage. Because you are literally just finding reasons to not have joy. You are finding reasons to be involved in kvetching with other people who are not experiencing joy. And so that's not what this podcast is about. I want this to sort of be like the last time I ever have to make this sad of a podcast episode because I want the podcast to be about joy. I want it to be about the thing that we love. I want it to be about the thing that we, that we want to talk about, that we appreciate, that gives us happiness, that when we are in the midst of a pandemic, gives us hope, makes us a smile lets us talk about things we like, etc., as opposed to being one more level of misery in the human experience. <laughs> like, because there's enough of those traffic, Mondays, <laughs> these things exist. But, like, you know, worldwide oppression exists, poverty exists. There's so many other terrible things out there. Why do we spend our time? Why do we spend our time taking the things? we say give us joy and making them give us misery so we can be stressed, so we can experience relief. And part of the reason I'm saying this to you, and I'll kind of shut up about this in a minute and move on. Yeah, yeah Hasbro makes money when you're stressed out and you're angry and you're upset. Any company does. That's how it works. You're afraid that you're not going to get something. You're anxious that you're not going to have it. You don't even necessarily want it, but you got to have a complete set. So you got to buy it. So they make money either way, whether you're upset or whether you're not, whether you are experiencing joy or whether you are giving yourself an apoplectic anxiety fit about it. Like they're making money one way or the other, and they don't really care one way or the other, <laughs> not the designers, not the people who care about the product, but like the, the guys who are making decisions about, you know, what manufacturing is going to happen and whether or not they're going to make a multi-million dollar commitment to this project or that project are probably not the people who are deeply concerned about your emotional state. So being mad at those people basically does nothing for you. It's like being mad or being seethingly angry for three to four weeks at the guy who made your coffee at Starbucks two weeks ago. I have news for you. He wrote your name on the cup and he doesn't care about you. Um, and that's not to be mean. It's just, this is life. The people who are making business decisions are not worried about whether or not you are particularly sad or happy. You have to be. And you have to make choices that do that for you. And so I'm going to make some for me. 
And, you know, that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about Ghostbusters merchandise or Ghostbusters toys on here, but it does mean that, like, I am pretty much done with Ghostbusters Facebook, for one, uh, with the exception to probably yes, have some. Um, you might find me on there occasionally, but I don't really find a reason to be there anymore because of the level of negativity that exists around a product release like this. Um, and because I think that, um, I think the other thing I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably be doing is just less, less is more. You know, I'm, I'm looking around my own home and going, do these things in my house, the, the things I've collected over the years, does finding a place to keep everything make me happy? And to be honest, like the answer is no. It's when I go into other places like this pinball group and I realize that I could be engaged in better discussions that are involving like, you know, experiences we're having and things we're building and projects we're working on and share information. That's what I want. That's what I want this podcast to be. It's why I made it. I don't want it to be this other stuff. So I'm sorry if I kind of sidetracked here and didn't give you as much of the review of the Proton Pack as I expected to, um, because I, you know, I've touched on what I think is good about it. And I touched on what I think need to be improved about it. And I've touched on the sort of quality control issue, but I think, you know, my line, my sort of final piece here, and maybe I'm, this is my Jimmy Carter moment that'll make some of you run away from me. Um, as I think we got to do better. You know, like as a fandom, I just think we have to do better as a fandom and people to be marketed to, because I, if I'll be honest, if I were making a product and I knew I had to sell it to a lot of the angry people who I watched lose their minds over this thing, I don't know why I would. Like, I don't know that I'd want that to be my clientele. And it's a weird thing I learned years ago from a boss um, who I no longer have a good relationship with, ironically, um, <laughs> because I learned his lesson, I guess. But um, I had a boss years ago who was a big Ghostbusters fan, actually. And he said, you know, when your clientele becomes too much of a problem for you, it's okay to fire them. You can find better clientele that won't create such a problem for you. And you'll have more time to do it if you're not dealing with your old problem clientele that just won't stop. And when I look at the way that the fandom acts as a whole in reaction to a product release like this. I wonder, you know, do do you push people to go, Hey, we don't necessarily need to engage this fandom that doesn't have around the clock 24 seven massive engagement because it's not worth it. Yeah. We might make a million dollars, but we could probably make five by going and engaging those star Wars fans over there, you know, working on some uh, Gabby's dollhouse toys instead or whatever it is. Like we're going to do a new series of my little pony. We're not going to worry about this. We're just going to be appealing to angry adults. Um, so please understand that this is not like I think this is about everybody who listens to this podcast because I don't. And I think that most of you who listen to the podcast are level-headed people. I Most of you I talked to were pretty reasonable about this. And if you feel like I blowed up your spot here by talking about, you know, direct messages I got, they were not really direct messages from the podcast so much as they were just from people. Um, but I don't know. Think about this. What gives you joy? Is it chasing down something and then being angry about its quality? You know, is it being mad because your HasLab Proton Pack box has a small hole in the back of it? Is it being mad because, you know, um, your your HasLab Proton Pack stickers, uh, one of them is bent. It's just it's it's so small, and there's so much better shit to be doing. So, um, I don't know. That's a weird way to kind of give you a podcast. I may regret releasing this later. We'll see. Uh, but 
I hope that this is a fandom and what you do here gives you joy, that it gives you happiness, that it doesn't become the thing to kvetch and that you don't aren't, you know, finding yourself turning the opportunity to be in a fandom into an opportunity to be angry and then relieve that anger and confuse that relief as happiness. We all have a right to be happy people. We all have a right to feel, feel fulfillment. None of us should be doing the damage of taking that away from ourselves so that companies can make money based off of our anxiety and panic and etc. And I'm not necessarily saying that's what Hasbro did with the HasLab pack as much as I think that's what people did to themselves after they'd already spent their money on the HasLab pack. But I do think that it is what you see when you see things like Hasbro Pulse Con, um, you know, which to me, I'm like, yeah, it's a con, all right, because it's not a convention at all. It's just the live stream that people watch. So it's a con. You're conning people into thinking that this is some sort of live, collectible, important thing. In reality, it's just a, a video ca- catalog of shit to come. Um, so I think that moving forward, I'm giving this a lot of thought about how much I want to focus on stuff like that, you know, um, how much do we're going to talk about a Ghostbusters product coming out? Yes. Are we going to talk about the, uh, the event that they're having and that you're going to go and attend because it creates the hype and the anxiety where this will be available for pre-order at four o'clock today. But also by the way, Walmart didn't execute that properly. So now the fandom loses its mind. None of these things are things I want anymore. None of them. Um, I want to have the stuff. I want them to build toys. I want to build props, but I don't want any of this drama anymore. So that is my way of saying, I love y'all. Like this podcast means a lot to me after 20 episodes. I'm not stopping doing it. But I do hope that as listeners, as a community of listeners, we can give some thought to this. What gives us joy? What do we want to be elevating on this podcast or what are you listening to on this podcast that brings you joy versus what is it that is coming out of different Ghostbusters media outlets that's really just about negativity and laughing about it and being relieved when the negativity ends? Um, we've all been through Ghostbusters 2016. It was what, what I would have considered the worst moment in Ghostbusters fandom in terms of behavior and, uh, and discourse. And the HasLab got us pretty close to like the beginning of that was pretty, wasn't quite as bad, but some of it, especially the parts where people began talking about an employee who works at Hasbro, whose name I'm not going to mention, um, really kind of dark, really kind of dark. So let's not be there as listeners of this podcast. Um, as your podcast host, I, this is hopefully the last really dark conversation I'm going to have. Um, cause I do feel pretty low about this and I feel shitty leaving, making this episode in a way and putting this on you as listeners to be like, here's where I'm at right now with this. But I also think I got to tell you, cause like, this is, a th- I think some of you tune in cause you want what I know about Hasbro stuff and what I've tracked down in the past. And you, I've been a good resource for you on social media and I'm not going to stop doing, you know, that of like finding info for you when I can find it. But I'm also not going to ride the wave anymore of like, Hey, did you get it? Do you have it? I just can't. It's too stressful. And engaging those messages, whether it's in forums or whether it's in DMs from people who are sort of, and I don't mean this about anybody who listens to the podcast. I will say that I had a few messages from people who are just followers of me on social media um, on my Bank Maniac Maniac account who really lacked self-awareness and really couldn't take a hint that I was trying to 
not have these conversations um, and, and just kind of kept going. So I'm going to be a little more direct about those things. You know, if somebody's coming to me and saying like, Hey, I want to kvetch at you. I'm probably not going to just be like, Hey, let me uh, like your Instagram message and move on with my day. I'm probably going to say, Hey, I really don't want to talk about this, but I, I'm sorry that you're having a hard day. And it's not because going to be because I'm angry at you or because I'm upset. Um, it's just that I want to have distance from this particular form of fandom. This fandom that um, seems to operate by generating stress to relieve stress to feel better um, rather than to just be happy about the things we have and the things that are coming and to appreciate them. You know, we, we, we waited like 37 years or something for Ghostbusters Afterlife to come out. And that's the most waiting anybody would ever have to do for anything Ghostbusters related. And somehow having to wait a couple more weeks for things becomes amazingly, overwhelmingly bad um, for some folks. So. We're not going to do that on here anymore. No more, um, no more anger of, uh, about product releases on Extraplasm and on Extraplasm social media, please. I want to break from it. I want to love what I do. Um, I want to love what we're doing together and I don't want to exist in this space of sadness. So, um, I think I'm going to put a pin in it here because I feel like I'm just rambling at this point a bit, but don't not, I don't mean to leave you on a sad note. There's so many great things that are coming. Um, there are so many great Ghostbusters public productions coming out. There's comic books coming. We got animated series, we got animated movies. And like, yeah, there's probably gonna be toys around all those things. And I'm going to want some of them. Um, so there's so many great things to be focused on. Don't be focused on what is so bad, especially if you don't even have it in your hands yet. It's like being angry about a movie that hasn't even been released and you haven't even seen. And you cannot like a movie after you've seen it, but if you haven't even seen it yet and you're just raging about it, you're just being irrational and you're just being a person who derives their joy by creating anxiety, misery, and frustration. Don't be there. Don't be a peck, as our good friends at the Ghostbusters Containment Unit would say. On that note, I want to leave you um, and say thank you for listening. Sorry for being gripey. And uh, I hope that you'll tune back in next week, even if I was a bit of a sad sack this week and um, standing on my moral high horse a bit. But um, I appreciate all of you. I'm glad that you've stuck with me through 20 episodes of this show. I really love our fandom. I love the community involved. I love all the charity work that we've been doing over the holiday season, everything that has been done. Let's keep that positive message as we move into the rest of 2023. And as the ever awesome and venerable Ernie Hudson always says, Try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care.